Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. Here's Lindegaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello, how are you? Welcome to the Glovers Cast with me, Ian Perkins. As ever, on a Sunday into Monday, I am joined by Mr. Ben Barrett and Mr. Dave Coates. Hello. Hello. How are we, gents? Are we good? Are we happy? Yeah. Wonderfully happy. happy. Could we? No, it's, yeah. you know, as, as Florence machine, Florence and the Machine says, uh, the dog days are over and Yeovil are winning games again. I think that's how it goes. Was that a, the uh, tricky second single that didn't quite do so well, that one? I think it probably did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Yeovil Town Roots came through on, on that second uh, <laughs> second single. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Let's talk about it. A, a win back at home. Seven on the bounce. It's an uh, impressive form at Hewish Park after not being able to pick up a win there for love nor money at the start of the season. It really was, wasn't it? I- it's actually yesterday's performance was arguably the, the, the not poorest because it's difficult to have a poor performance when you're playing and scoring goals like that. But I felt like actually we weren't at our best, and I felt like we were inviting too much pressure. I, I got to give Woking a bit of credit. I thought they came and had a go. I thought Jamal Loza looked like he had a bit of a bit between his teeth and looked right up for it. But at the end of the day. When you've got the best striker in the league, you only need to give him two half chances and he'll score you two goals. So, yeah, nice nice tick in the box. Maybe a bit of work to be done. I thought we looked like we were just inviting too much and not able to dictate enough of the play. We gave up possession. Woking had more possession. They had 13 corners. 
We know how questionable we've been from set pieces this season. So, yeah, work to be done. But if you're playing okay-ish and still winning games and still and still picking up those victories, you aren't going to get many complaints from me. A couple of changes from from the midweeker in Charlie Lee was back and Carl Dickinson was back. Coatsy, what what do you think of their performances coming back into the side? Well, I think I was I was waiting for Ben to take credit for it again because I think he said something <laughs> about Carl Dickinson on the on the Thursday pod, didn't he? So again, more proof that the that, that the gap is listening. But uh, but yeah, I think I think take Dickinson first. Uh, I think the one thing that we looked at looked for from him is his experience, his leadership and his, and his solidity. And you could see him, I noticed even in that hairy first 20 minutes where Woking were um, sort of, well, definitely the better side at the um, at the beginning of the match, you could see him talking to Sass Davis and Hunt. He was, he was organising people. Um, and yes, he didn't have uh, blistering pace, but Carl Dickinson doesn't have blistering pace, does he? So um, I, I thought Dickinson slotted in uh, very well there. And, Charlie Lee for, for 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 Jimmy Smith again didn't uh, I didn't notice a noticeable difference. I think probably the only thing Jimmy Lee gives you is a little bit more um, sort of pace and movement, not necessarily pace, but um, getting it, it gets about a bit more than Charlie Lee. But again, Charlie Lee seemed to do what he did. He 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 won his headers, which is um, is sort of Darren Way esque, isn't he? For someone who's not got massive height, but he seems to have a bit of a spring on him, so. He did that. Uh, I remember him heading one uh, off the line. I think in the uh, in the first half, that he did very very well. So no, I thought they they both both came in and gave us the solidity that I imagine the manager was looking for when when he put them on the team sheet. I think the main thing I noticed about Charlie Lee was uh, the lockdown locks have gone. Yeah, somebody's getting a haircut from somewhere, aren't they? Mm. Someone My lack of observation it. again. I didn't even notice what shin pads he was wearing. So. <laughs> they were they they were not big enough. Is what I was saying. <laughs> he borrowed Jimmy's. He borrowed Jimmy's. Clearly, yeah, definitely. Um, it was it was nice to see. I, I thought for a minute because he got injured, didn't he, in the second half? Yeah. And I thought for all in the world he's going to come off, but he didn't. Charlie Lee, being the stubborn Charlie Lee that he is, he didn't come off. Um, but you're right, coach. He did. There was one header off the line that was particularly impressive, and there was one in the. In the in the first half, where there was a cross, and there was about three Woking players in behind Charlie Lee, including Musa Diara, and he manages to somehow flick it away. I think it ends up going out for another corner. But um, considering he was up against some some fairly tall and, and chunky fellas, I mean Musa Diara is no slouch, and he's no um, shrinking violet either. He's a big fella. I was I was actually quite disappointed with Musa Diara. I thought he was going to be more of a problem than he was defensively and offensively. Um, for Woking, but yeah, Charlie dealt with all he needed to deal with. Yeah, remember in Diara when we played at their place last season, he was set pieces. He was an absolute nightmare just because of his his, his size. But um, I remember speaking to a, a Woking sporting friend of mine. Uh, he was telling me the best thing to do against Musa Diara is run at him because he can't really um, can't really handle it. And uh, yeah, I think just uh, just Noyfield. I don't think he. Ran at him for the uh, for the for the goal, but uh, certainly split the um, split the defence in half. And as you said, Ben, the um, yeah, the difference in this game was uh, was Reese Murphy, wasn't it? And I mean, that was a cracking finish, wasn't it, for the first goal? Absolutely, yeah. poor Reese Murphy. Yeah, yeah, Musa Diara was was the one that Reese Murphy was holding off 
for yeah. that first goal. And honestly, Musa Diarra, he turns like the Titanic. It was <laughs> awful. It was so slow and painful. Very, very good in the air. Very much sort of a nemesis from, from set pieces and stuff. But he looked really susceptible with the ball on the ground. And yeah, Reese Murphy, little whippet of a striker, held him off fairly comfortably, in fact. And, and from there... I thought the gaffer might have played it down a little bit by saying that's just doing your job. But it was a nice finish. Goalkeepers are coming out and trying to make things a little bit more difficult. That's not as easy as it seems when you've got Musa Diara trying to grapple you because he's turning like a tugboat and you've got a goalkeeper running out at you. That's not, it's not an easy finish. It should be bread and butter for, for someone like Reese Murphy in the form that he's in. But you've still got to do it. And yeah, nice, nice finish and, and set the tone because... We weren't playing particularly well. We soaked up a lot of pressure. And you, you think back to sort of goal line clearances. Uh, Smith made a, a decent first, um, first 20 minute save. It was a nice hike, but he kind of punched it away. And we were sort of up against it for a period. And so to go up the other end and sort of take our first proper chance, proper, proper chance like that, and just kind of, I imagine that would have been, it would have been an absolute gut punch to Woking, who were probably on top. And then to see us go up the other end and think, oh, God, we've put all this effort in for half an hour, but they're the one that's 1-0 up. I, I imagine it was, um, yeah, not particularly easy for Woking and tough for them to try and then even get, get back into the game. So, yeah, really, really nice timing, really nice finish. And then, um, and then he sealed it with, with something, something quite special. Yeah, that, that flick for the second was just... Totally audacious, wasn't it? It was the kind of goal that you only score when you are oozing confidence like Murphy is at the moment. You know, if he tried that however many weeks ago, it would have, you know, probably would have gone back to, I think Bradley took the free kick, didn't he? Was it Bradley or Knowles? It was, I think it was um, Knowles that took the corner. It, 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 by the way, it wasn't a particularly good corner. No, I know. <laughs> he had to, it was going to have to be something special to get it in from there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it exactly. Unbelievable. And, and I think on that on that first goal... You sort of said, you know, it is his, it's his job to do that, but to have the like composure, it is it. We're just seeing Murphy at his absolute best, and I don't think we've probably seen him like this since he joined the club. I know he scored a lot of goals last year, but I don't remember him. I don't remember him playing with this level of confidence last season either. That first goal, I thought um, yesterday, reminded me a lot of the goal he scored at um, Aldershot last season where he just sort of like broke broke through and then well that one he just leathered it from uh from, from an angle but it just looked like a really natural finish didn't it and um as you you guys have said there and the manager said after the after the game uh, that flick that you get that's the goal you the, the kind of goal you score when when you're in in form and i mean he's in good company isn't he because i think the uh the official account put out uh Zola, didn't they? When when he scored that little flick, and I remember one Roberto Mancini when he played mm. for for Lazio. So there you go, Murphy, Zola, and Mancini. That's not bad company to be in, is it? Not bad at all. Not no. bad at all. I just, I just really, I, I felt like I, I, I saw the goal, and I felt like that was the Murphy we signed because he was doing that for Chelmsford. He was doing this. This audacious uh, score from anywhere, score from different scenarios. He that was the reason we signed him when he was scoring goals for fun in the National League South, as it would have been then. Um, and to see it happen again, and to see it back, and I just, it's just so. Oh, it just, it's warming to the heart. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it is. It's ridiculous to think that's what we've wanted. That's what we've wanted. And we've talked before on the podcast about how this club has had 
precious few of these strikers that are just worldy scoring, bite your legs off type strikers that will run for days. And, and he, he's ranking up the goals at an alarming rate. There's all kinds of statistics doing the rounds now that he's third on the all-time scorers list since 2002. Behind Jevons and Zoko, he is two goals away from being the first player since Gavin Williams in his return to score 30 league goals for us. Zoko did get to 30, but he needed cup goals to get there. Um, so it's uh, he's, he's flying through. He's absolutely flying through the stats. And yeah, I think I think it's now time to to get a checkbook out and a contract and a pen and, and make it happen because... To go into next season, regardless of, of where we are and how we're looking and, and what situations we may find ourselves in, to go into next season trying to replace Reese Murphy right now doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah. The thing that worries me is that the more goals he scores, the more teams uh, in, the, uh, in, in the league will look at him. So you're almost seeing him scoring goals like that and thinking, ah, oh, don't be quite so good, Reese, because uh, you're going to attract someone's attention. Yeah, and if we were, if the loan, you know, we were yet to know what's happening with our loan situation. But I think if if the loan comes through, I think give it all to Reese Murphy. Can have the lot, yep. yeah, and start a crowdfunder. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll chuck some money in. <laughs> the Reese Murphy crowdfunder. Yeah, he's yeah. he's sort of he's just so important now, isn't he? I think if if the P word that we don't mention, if that is oh. going to be on the cards. It, you know, we need him to. But even if it's not, even up. if it's not on the cards, even if it's not on the cards, it it will want to be on the cards next season. Yeah, well, and I, I think... and if if and if we don't make the playoffs and we don't make the other p word and and none of that happens, we have to go into next season considering how all this season we've just said it's a write off. Don't go bust. Don't go down. But next season that doesn't count. Next season I want to go up. <laughs> I want to win the league. Do you next think... season? I feel like, I know it's early to talk about next season, but I feel like the position of the squad in terms of young players we've got in um, Max Hunt, Tom Knowles, for example, Alex Bradley, young players that are actually our players, it feels like we're sort of building towards that for next season because last year we had a lot of... um, we had, we had some more experienced, older players who it didn't feel like, you know, it sort of felt like last season was a bit of a Hail Mary in that we'll sign Football League players and hope that we get it right at the first time of asking. Whereas it feels like the recruitment we've done since Chris Merson in January has sort of been around pushing for playoffs and then having a strong squad for next season as well. Yeah, you remember where, where, where we were at the start of last season. We didn't have a squad, did we? You no, know, exactly. Uh, Salah's come in, taking over from Way, and and he, and he had to bring in, bring in players thick and fast, and and, and get them to work. So those experienced heads of you, you know, Collins, Wilkinson, um, etc., uh, were were the were the right ones to bring in. But um, yeah, I think he mentioned uh, in his, his post match conference, didn't he, Darren Sal, that uh, that this is a completely different side to the one we had last season. And I think going back to talking about Rhys Murphy. I think it's that relationship with the manager. I don't know if you guys think it as well, but you, whenever you hear Reese Murphy speak, you always think there's a good relationship. He always refers to the gaffer and he refers to Kerry and all of this. And and you hear Darren Sarn talk about Reese Murphy and 
there was a comment a while ago about how he was a you know a complex character or a, you know a sensitive character and things like that and you get the impression that there is a really good relationship between Darren Sahl and Reese Murphy and that's the thing that makes me think if we don't do either of the P words this season that there might possibly just be an outside chance that that relationship could um, make him want to say right one more season let's have a let's have a tilt at it and and, and go for it because you've given me the chance to play on this stage and um, you know we didn't really have a proper season this season because there were no fans and all of that maybe I'm just being hopelessly optimistic about that but I don't know what you guys think that relationship seems good to me there's there's definitely yeah. that there when when we we interviewed Darren for three valleys when he first must have been around September time I think when he when he just joined the club and um he said how oh, he signed they signed Murphy they did a handshake in the center circle like and that was it there was no contract drawn up they just shook hands and and sorted it there and then before you know all the proceedings took place and i think it is you know that is the the main reason Reese Murphy's at the club is is Darren Sol i think going back to your point you made earlier Ian actually you said you might be a bit early to start talking about next season why is it no, this is exactly the time I want to start talking about next season. This season might as well be, it's a, it's a freebie. We have to start planning for next season. Regardless of what, which division we're in, you want Reese Murphy. Let's say, let's say the magic does happen. Let's say the magic does happen. You telling me you want to go into League Two without Reese Murphy? Let's say the magic doesn't happen. We want to have a proper crack at the league next year and winning the darn thing. That's going to happen. I'll have a better chance of happening with Reese Murphy. So this is now a this is now a genuine genuine call to arms for me now. Like, okay, we're not going down. Let's assume, and we have to assume because we don't know otherwise that like the loans and whatever are okay, and we're in a position where we're not going to go bust. And if we tick the don't go down, don't go bust thing, for me, no, you start planning for next season. You start planning now and getting people in like Bradley, like Hunt. Let's have the conversation about Adam Smith in goal. Let's let's call Forest Green Rovers and go, right, what, what are your long-term thoughts on Adam Smith? Uh, are you going to release him? Can we start chatting to him? Can we make that happen? This is now, what are we, 14th of March. Next season now has to start happening. Other clubs are going to start thinking about next season. We've seen Barnett. They've, they've rolled the dice. They're starting to think about next season by sacking Tim Flowers and, and thinking about their longer-term prospects. I imagine we'll start seeing others make the similar sort of sort of decision-making, whether or not they're going to stick or twist with managers, and we might start seeing players sort of drop out of teams and loans start coming to an end as, as clubs start to think forward. I don't want to be left behind in this in this search for a striker. Don't, don't roll it through to July, and we don't know whether or not he's staying or going, and suddenly we're looking for someone to replace him, regardless of where we are. Yeah, that was a problem always under Fry and Hayward, wasn't it? It was always, yeah. we'll get to the end One of the season... Deals. Then we'll decide what we're going to do. And, and yeah, you know, we really need that forward planning in place. And it's sure. something that we have been we have been good at. We have been good at that. We brought in Bradley on loan and we thought, well, actually, hang on. He can be a bit of a, a long-term option at right-back. Brilliant. Make it happen. We brought in Hunt on loan. Actually, he can be a long-term prospect at centre-back. Brilliant. Make it happen. Right. Great. You've got to keep that going, though. We've got to keep that going. We've given new deals out to... To the two defenders at the midway point of the season, didn't we? We extended the deals for for a couple of lads already. Right, fine, do it again, make it happen. Because regardless of what position we're in, when you've got someone like this, he's on he's on course to score more goals this season than he did last season. And remember, just before Christmas, we were giving it the whole 
barren spell thing. If he carry on at his current goals per game ratio, he tops the 17 he got in the league last year. Yeah, he's only got Michael Cheek and um, who else him? Carl Wooten. They're not counting ahead of him now. Cheek's got 16, Wooten's got 12, Murphy's got 11. There you go. And who have we got in our next couple of games? We've got Bromley, Michael Chi, <laughs> Not County, not County, Carl Wooten. That could be an interesting head-to-head, couldn't it? We will, um, we'll get back to Bromley in a minute because it's not just Bromley, Michael Cheek, is it? No. It's Bromley and Courtney and D. He, yeah, and Courtney D as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll come to that in a bit. But, yeah, it's going to be a very big few weeks. And, yeah. Here it is. Hashtag sign him on. Yeah, just just back to Woking. Uh, the, the, they did play well, didn't they? I, I thought the, yeah. there was a lot of pressure, like you've said, Ben, the set pieces. It felt like every time I, you know, I was in between playing Duplo with my boy and watching the stream, sort of sat conveniently on the floor so I could do both. Um, and it seemed like every time I turned around away from the Duplo, we were we were defending a defending another corner or a set piece. But it it felt like I don't know. That's a good good drill to have as a, as a young defence. I know Dicko was back, but it's still a, a young defence. Good to get those repetitions of having to clear clear corners and clear set pieces away. And the, the defence that had Matt on, Worthington at right back. Sorry, mate, I was going to say, and the defence who had to make a change. We had Matt Worthington at right back for the last half an hour. So it was a big test. I was really impressed with Jamal Loza. Um, really impressed with him. Every time he got the ball, he looked dangerous. Every time they kind of came forward, they were looking for him. Not sure whether it was a bit of Tom Whelan syndrome and he had the bit between his teeth a little bit, but it was, yeah, he was really, really impressive. They, they knew how to get at us. They knew that they were, their plan was simple. Their plan was to try and force set pieces, whether it was throw-ins down by the corner flag, whether it was corners, free kicks in those wide areas. That was their plan because they knew we were susceptible from those those positions. Um, so, yeah, they, they were good. They, they were playing... I, I I never included them last week in the in the sort of chat of the teams that are still looking upwards a bit. I think they're playing with the freedom of a team that now know they're not going down. Now know they haven't got to worry about what's going on behind them. Um, they can just have a, a, a just a, a yeah. Woking can just just go now. They can really start planning for next season. They can just have fun with it. It almost doesn't matter if they lose every game four one now because they're going to play some entertaining free flowing football. And at times they played really well. Yeah, I think the Woking fan you spoke to on, on on Thursday said that, didn't he, about the takeover that they've got now they are starting to look towards next season. We've just discussed that that we perhaps should um should start doing. But now I, I agree with you about the um uh, the set the set pieces, and I think the manager mentioned after the game about that should be you know, that should be bread and butter to the likes of uh, Max Hunt and, and Billy Sass Davis. And we've said it a few times when we've lost games in the last couple that. They've got to be learning experiences from them. And um, again, to nick another quote from the manager, I think he said that in the dress, there was a, what did he say, an angry dressing room at the end of the game. And that's a, that's got to be a really positive sign that this is a team that still thinks um, that we're in, that we're in with a shout of making um, those top few places that begin with a P because they, they obviously want to be there. And uh, I wonder who it was angry. I mean, I can imagine some of the older lads being angry, but uh, it'd be good to think that Max Hunt and... Uh, Perhaps not Sass Davis because he sounds like he's a bit of a quieter character, but um, it would be good to think that they were both feeling like that as well and uh, fired up uh, going into Tuesday. Yeah, I thought, you know, when you, when you are, I don't want to say bombarded, but when you're under as much pressure as they were, you're bound to have a lapse. And it, 
it was a bit of, there was a bit of a poor clearance in the build up to their their goal wasn't there and then Kretschmar seemed to have freedom of the box to put his header away yeah it wasn't wasn't a particularly nice to, goal to concede actually no um ball came in i was kind of expecting the extra defender to be there but he was nowhere to be seen so i don't <laughs> know who was meant to be making that run or or meant to be chasing that line or, or marking that zone or or taking hold of that player but yeah that was that was questionable and i can understand if there was some frustration at the way we've conceded that that's good <laughs> that's what i want yeah definitely and, and on the point about Sass Davis, I think it's an interesting one because, you know, all start of the season, it was all about characters, characters, characters. And we've heard this, you know, a couple of mentions in press conferences about, I think the manager joked how Sass Davis hasn't, doesn't speak to him or something like that, didn't he? Because he says he's so quiet. And it is, it, to me, it's interesting that there's maybe another change in recruitment in that we're not just going after characters and manly men. You know, Sass Davis sounds like he's, more of an introverted type who gets on with a job and and that type of character, um, which I think you know I think that's a, another good approach because it's good to have a, a different you know different personalities. You can't all have the same personalities running across the pitch. And I think we got a question, haven't we, about um, uh, about recruitment. And uh, I agree if you, you look back at the start of the season and even the manager, I think, has said that, uh, you know, there's some questionable um, uh, signings that were made then. But they really sorted it out, didn't they, around that, that, that midway mark and brought in all of the players that we're doing. And Darren Siles, obviously, you know, his background is in um, player development and, uh, and, and you can really feel that he's getting a hold of. He talks a lot about Alex Bradley, doesn't he? But um, you know, players like Noyfield as well. I'm sure if Darren Sarl is the uh, is you know the the youth development um, expert that uh, his CV would suggest that he is, then you can really see how these players are starting to um, to learn. And as we know, if we give these players a chance, then clubs are going to look at us as a good place to send their young lads. We had it with Tottenham for a lot of years, didn't we? And um, you know, hopefully they'll be. There'll be others, you know, maybe crew. What a great academy they've got there. If Billy Sass Davis is getting games and, 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 and doing well and goes back there an even better player, let's you know, let's have a few more of their um their academy players. Yeah, yeah. It would be lovely to have our own as well, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah, it really would. Because, <laughs> you know, that's the whole thing. You know, at some point, you know, we don't want to be looking at crew and thinking, oh, you know, let's have some players from crew. We want to be looking at our own stuff and having our own players coming through don't we like and I, I feel you know it's it's bittersweet for me that we're great at producing other clubs young players and making them stick out but we don't you know we i know the academies um is it shut down i don't know it feels like it's not there's not as many teams now within it as there was and it feels like we we never really quite got it out of ours i know we had gabby rodders for a bit and Ollie Bassett, but you know they're all gone with a win now, aren't they? It's 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 great that we're we're good at the young players of other clubs and and we give them the opportunity. But all those players are going to go on for money elsewhere that will go to the other clubs rather than our own, and that for me that is frustrating. I think it's a good sign that our under 18s are still going. They won yesterday, battered Forest Green's kids, uh, battered them quite sort of convincingly, it seems. Um, we've, we've, we've seen touches, haven't we? Alfie Lloyd got a game not so long ago. 
and obviously Alex John again. I've, I've no idea where Alex John is. Must be next to Warburton somewhere. Um, <laughs> and and like you say, Gabby Rogers is there. So there's there's a hint that something is still there. Uh, yeah, be nice to see a little bit more. Maybe maybe that's running before we can walk. Maybe. Probably not the time. Probably not the time to be bloody young players at that at, at this exact moment. But uh, there's no. got to be there's got to be a time when you um when but, you chuck them in. And some some of them got a opportunity, didn't they? Alfie Lloyd had a had a, had a game or two, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the opportunity to bl- be blooding young players, but we're blooding young players of other clubs. Slightly more experienced players, though, I'd argue. I mean, Sass Davis is, uh, has, has probably developed a lot more than, than some of ours. And the, the other loans, like Neufield, have been out on loan a couple of times. And he was played against us, I think, for Woking last season. So, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. It would be much nicer if we had... Um, I'm trying to think of players, even going back to... I can only think of Wheelie and um, Andy Lindegaard off the top of my head. I'm not... Alcock, Alcock. was he? Yeah. Alcock was out. Yeah, Alcock. But they're still few and far between, aren't they? So, yeah, yeah, it would well, be nice. We've never really had any longevity with an academy, have we? You know, it, it was set up and then Gary came back and disbanded it because he wanted the money for the first team. And, it, yeah, we started it up again after Gary went and we cut it as soon as we possibly could with COVID. And, yeah, it's it's difficult. I appreciate it's difficult and costly, but, you know, look at Exeter. The cost of their academy is what keeps them going from all the players they've produced from it and sold from it. So it's, you know, it might be expensive in the short term, but in the long term, it is just such a worthwhile investment on from, from my perspective. It's quite a tangent we've gone off here, by the way, guys. Yeah, I know. We were just talking about Reese Murphy, weren't we? And <laughs> Reese Murphy scoring worldies and suddenly, where are the kids? Where are yeah. the kids, yeah. Crowdfunder for the academy as well. <laughs> well, yeah, if we knew it was going there, I think we would. Um, yeah. Do you want to do anything else before we go into some questions? And quiz time. Quiz time has proven a, a big success, so you two are up against oh, each other tonight. Qui- not another quiz. Of a similar vein, a similar vein to Thursday. Oh, uh, on Friday, words. and it, yeah, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I might post production some uh, music in the background, depending on how much have, time I have today. It, it, have we got it, any? Qu- Go on, sorry, coach. I was going to say, if you, if you are going to questions, can I just uh, respond to Thursday night's debacle? <laughs> which or, which or, one? Or, or def- defamatory statements that were made against me with regards to uh, Ruben Reed? Is this? Do, do I get a chance for a right reply? To well, I, sure you do, I yeah. just want to say on that first goal, I think for me the first goal was all about how Ruben Reed sort of just stayed out of the way and held, you know. <laughs> Held the players out of <laughs> Ruben Reed just, just was nowhere near and fair play to him, his otherwise in, he would have stuffed it up. His intelligent, you know, positional awareness just allowed Murphy to put that away. And I think a lot yeah. of it was down to him. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know if my legal letter is yet landed on Glover's cast HQ, which is what, <laughs> is Ian's garage, I think. It is, it? yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, so I'm just going to put this down for the record because I actually did, stung by your comments as I was, I, uh, I actually went back and listened to the last two things that I'd said about uh, about Ruben Reed. <laughs> and uh, so I listened to the Hartlepool game when you had me on after the Hartlepool game, which I described as, and I quote, probably one of the best performances I've seen from Ruben Reed since we've we've had him. And then against Chesterfield, and let's be fair, we lost both of these games. I said, 
I felt sorry for both Reed and Murphy because they were so isolated up that up front, and therefore they didn't really have much of an opportunity. So my my frustration, shall we say, with Ruben Reed pre previous to probably the Hartlepool game was where it started to change. It was that he was almost one bit of movement or one bit of effort. Uh, away from being in some really good goal-scoring positions. And I felt like he gave up on things. Now, the Sutton United game, you know, that was manna from heaven for you guys, wasn't it? Because it was an opportunity to have a right pop of it. Because <laughs> that second half that he had against Sutton was exactly what I wanted to see from Ruben Reed. He was everywhere. He was tearing about. He was uh, he was doing things. And, yeah, he, uh, he, he scored a goal as well. So I would say from Hartlepool onwards, I've been very um, pleased with uh, with what Ruben Reed's done, but he did frustrate me before that. So there you go. I, I think I've set the record straight. <laughs> I think Dave spent a lot more time thinking about Ruben Reed than you or I have, Ben. Than, than <laughs> Ruben Reed's family have, probably. <laughs> triggered. Um, I'm triggered. <laughs> That's what the kids call it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, I think, well, I, I would like to say this on Reed because he gets a lot of, sort of stick. He's a little bit Marmite, isn't he, at the moment? People kind of either love what he's doing or hate what he's doing. As we've said the whole time on Ruben Reed, that we are going to judge his performances on the performances of those around him. That's why he's here. And I bet, I bet the bottom dollar, and we know they all listen, so get in touch, lads. If you ask any one of the players, do you feel like having Ruben Reed in the side has benefited you? I bet you Murphy, Dagnall, Skendy, Knowles, Neufil, all of those attacking players would all, Quigley would all to a man say yes. Can I also point out something else I heard when I was listening back to my own, <laughs> my own comments? Yeah? Uh, uh, no, actually, this is when I was listening to you guys on Thursday. So, uh, first of all, Mr. Barrett, he said, uh, when you were talking about my comment with regards to Ruben Reed, you said it didn't give him much credit, did he? Shortly after, you described Ruben Reed's finished as the easiest finish in the world. So, there we go. That's not a great deal of credit, I'd say. And also, you questioned Albie Skendy's goal-scoring record and, and said he should be scoring more goals, which, uh, incidentally, I do agree with you. But then you said, we, we can't judge Ruben Reed, a striker, on scoring goals. So, just a little bit of uh, contradiction there. God, I didn't realise Who invited this guy? Who invited this guy? I didn't realise There you go. I'm here to, here to, to mix it up. I didn't realise people actually listen this much. Jesus. You've got to be Crikey careful, on, careful what we say, eh? There you go. My lawyers <laughs> like are always it. listening. <laughs> I, think, I, think we should, I, think, I think we should start. I think we should finish by saying that, A, uh, Warburton does exist. We've seen him on a couple of Instagram posts. He is there. And so it, I think it's time to start getting you back in the squads. I do think it's time. I have been I have been critical of Skendi a number of times in the past and I felt like he wasn't doing enough yesterday to help dictate our attacking play. All of our attacks came from from Knowles and Neufeld through then to the strikers Reed and Murphy. I I didn't feel like Skendi was doing enough to dictate the play in that attacking third. And it, it was frustrating at times because we were we were welcoming too much pressure at times and I kind of wanted him to to be that focal point, to, to whether it was get the ball down and move it sideways or just be a little bit more commanding and and dictate how we go forward. I didn't see that enough. So I'm, I was a little bit disappointed in Skendi yesterday. He played a lot of football. In terms of bargain acquisitions, I think there's been no question he's been a positive acquisition, more than a negative acquisition. But at the moment, 
I'm just a little bit frustrated with what he brings to the team. So I want Warburton back in the fold, please. Thank I, you very much. I think we're going to need a special episode where we have you two debate about Ruben Reed and about Albie Skendy because <laughs> like, <laughs> to you, you both seem to have grudges. I'm going to agree with Ben on Skendy. Certainly on his performance yesterday, I think he was... Um, uh, he was a little bit cold in the in the hot and cold uh, moments. But when you do look back at the number of 90s he's played, I think there's probably only that game at Barnet where he um, uh, where he came off. And I say I've got I've, I've got it in front of me here. He played 65 minutes against Weymouth as opposed to the full 90 as well. So uh, in the in the first game at Weymouth. So, yeah, he has played an awful lot of football. And we said it last time or maybe you guys said it. If Warburton, if he's fit and available and there was some people suggesting that he might have an injury which might explain why he's not been um he's not been around but why wouldn't you have him there and uh i mean ian you're not a big fan of matt warburton as you as you clearly mentioned the uh the other day but um i am a fan think, of matt uh... warburton we just didn't win games when he was playing this is descending into well, chaos lads there you go. If, I'm not, if i'm not a big fan of uh, ruben reed then I'm, I'm chucking that one out <laughs> i love them all they're all my favorites <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Right, right. questions? Let's do questions. Let's okay, do questions. okay. Um, I think so. We've got a couple here. Um, here we go. Andy Craig. After Murph, who is our next most influential player? The do you stat- mind if I take this one? Yeah, go for it. It's all you. Because when when I read this um, from Andy Craig. I, I actually, he, because he actually posted a stat as well, because I think he suggested who he thinks is the uh, most influential player behind Reese Murphy, doesn't he? Does he say that in his question? He says the stats say our captain. Our captain being? I don't know, just says currently our captain. Who's our captain? Lee I, Collins is our captain, isn't he? Well, I think our captain yesterday was Carl Dickinson, wasn't it? I think that's probably who, who that's, he was. That's sitting. where we're going. We're going down the Dickinson. Ooh, we're going down the Dickinson. Exactly, route here, guys. So, I think Andy Craig, if Elliot Watts is chairman of the Carl Dickinson fan club, I think Andy Craig is what? Vice chair, treasurer, something like that, maybe? (laughs) uh, Anyway, what what I did was, and this shows my commitment to the Glovers cast, how much I really do love the two of you, despite what we just uh, discussed. The, um, uh, I created a spreadsheet. Yes, I created a spreadsheet and I put all of our games from the older shot games. So this is post post boxing day because i think that we can probably divide our two uh, our season into two there can't we i put all the players i put the 90 minutes uh, or the minutes that they, they they'd all played yeah so i got a total of players who were on the pitch in games that we ended up winning players who were on the pitch uh for games we ended up losing because as we as you mentioned the other day we only win or lose um certainly this half of the season anyway so who who do you think came out on top uh, over that uh, that period from Oldershot through to Woking. Crikey. I think Neufeld will be up there. Ian? In terms of minutes on the pitch, yeah. Um... So it's the, it's the balance. The balance of minutes on the pitch winning games and minutes on the pitch losing games. So winning minus losing equals your score. Blimey. Cool. This is some spreadsheet. By, by the way, spreadsheets, David, it could be said that you have 
excelled yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to play, um, pay credit to my partner here. He actually came up with the spreadsheet. I put the data in, so I was there. I did the grunt work. And he, <laughs> he made it work. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Ah, oh, I don't know who to go with. I, well, let's let's go, Carl Dickinson, because he's out of the get out of the team, in the team, out of the team, in the team. I'm going to go. Absolutely with correct, Liam. Absolutely correct. So Carl Dickinson was first with 700 minutes on the pitch in games that we ended up winning, and 180 minutes on the pitch in games that we ended up losing. So a balance of 520. Adam Smith second. Nine obviously played every game, so 900 minutes on the pitch um, and 540 minutes on the pitch when we lost, so at 360. He and um, Max Hunt, so that was the top three, Dickinson, Smith, Hunt, and then Neufeld, Ben, after, um, after that as well. And who do you think came bottom of this table? Joe Quigley. Not played a lot. He's been in a couple of games where we've been a bit iffy. Joe Quigley actually has more winning minutes than losing minutes. Does um, he really? Awesome. Yeah, so he has 363 winning minutes and 175 losing minutes. So a balance. Is it, is it as simple to say then that Michael Kelly's on the other side? Michael Kelly is on the other side, yeah. So Michael Kelly has had 200 minutes on the pitch when we've won and 360 minutes on the pitch when we've lost. So a, a balance of minus 160. So I will put in at this point, there's... Was it lies, damn lies and statistics, isn't there? <laughs> because when, when you look at this, Reese Murphy um, is actually 14th on this table um, with 400 and trying to look across my table here, 479 minutes when we won and 366 when we lost. So whereas I think we could all agree and we've obviously extolled the virtues of Reese Murphy uh, just now, haven't we, is... <laughs> a hugely influential play. Didn't play in the first four games, Ultra, Torquay, Weymouth and um, uh, and Maidenhead, I think, came back in, in that, that Dover game. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's statistics and statistics can show you whatever they want to show you. But I thought, um, once I saw uh, Craig go uh, asking that question, I thought, I, I just wonder what the statistics show you. That That's what we showed. So whether that answers the question or not, I don't know. So what you're saying is Carl Dickinson has the biggest XW percentage of the team, expected wins. <laughs> We've talked about expected goals, expected passes. It's the way that football statistics are going. But Carl Dickinson, XW, flying high. Yeah. yeah. I mean, stats. Stat. I, I can't argue. Can't argue, can we? Yeah. Can, but how, how, had, how are you going to argue with that? Well, had Carl Dickinson started against Sutton and started against... Chesterfield. Chesterfield lost yesterday, didn't they? If any Chesterfield fans are listening, unlucky. Um, <laughs> Don't upset them. <laughs> Very sensitive. <laughs> well, they're nailed on. They're going to win everything, aren't they? Um, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I hate stats. I hate them. Well, that's what the stats show. That's what the stats show. <laughs> I love stats. I love stats. That's yeah. brilliant. Well, well, well done, Coates and Yeah, Pops. well done. Fantastic spreadsheet. Are you going to maintain it? I will maintain it, yeah. I will maintain it. From, wow. I, I was thinking about putting in the um, statistics for the before the older shot game, but I think it probably just upset me. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'd all be bottom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I've got to get through loads of wrestling gifts to find. <laughs> yeah. Who posted sure. all these? Come on. Uh, da, 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 da. 
How lucky are we to be living in Reese Murphy's world from Clevo? It's a bit special, Very. isn't it? Very lucky. Sign him up. Sign him up. Sign him up. Every t- every time one of you two now says Reese Murphy, I'm just going to say sign him up. It's going to ruin Murphy. this podcast. And sign him up. <laughs> There's a, a Clevo's also quoted a retweet here. So Thomas Feeney Feeney on Twitter as he's put something out. Seven home wins. Seven home league wins in a row for Yeovil Town. The last time they achieved that was back during the 2012-13 season, which Cleaver has then commented, not a question, but this. Nailed on to get promoted, right? Stop war, what did you say? Uh, the B word. Yeah, I did. Well, I didn't say it. Cleaver said it. I've just asked. Oh, you said it. I've just asked a question, Ben. You want to talk about it? <sighs> dangerous, dangerous. Rhys Murphy. Sign him up. There we go. Just testing, just testing. Okay. I don't, I, we're not allowed to talk about that one, Clevo. I know you said it wasn't a question, but uh, one from Mike Hudson, Mike J Hudson, eighty-eight on Twitter. As new shirts came up last week, seems a shame fans stopped getting to vote on them. Seems like an easy bit of PR fan engagement should lead to greater sales. And what would stop absolute calamities like the Hummel kit happening? Any thoughts on that, Coatsy? You can go for this one if you like. I don't. It, this is where I don't really notice things like that. Kits don't. <laughs> kits really don't get me excited um, about things. But I think I think um, Mike might have seen that Woking did the same with their new owners. I think they they did the same. So I would agree with him. That is a good bit of PR and it is a good bit of fan engagement. And it will be an uh, an easy thing for us to do. I don't think there's been any decisions or anything taken around the around the kits yet, as it's so. You know, it might still happen. Let's let's give them a bit a bit of credit. Mm. Ben, agreed, agreed entirely. Yeah, let us choose. Let us choose. We're the ones forking out. We yeah. got, we got, we got seriously lucky. For those of us that bought kit packages in that crowdfunder thing, my heart sank when I saw that <laughs> cheaper unit monstrosity. I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I would have told them to keep it, keep the money, keep the kits. Awful. <laughs> but actually, then they turn around and produce this beautiful green thing, and I'm like, okay, right, we've got, I've got jammy there. I have got so jammy by pulling out two very nice kits. So, look, if you want me to spend the money, at least give me half a chance of picking a nice one. Yeah, and I think I, I, I would like it, every like option to be different as well because it felt like, you know, we did used to do that and it was always, which version of the hoops do you want? And it'd be nice to be able to have a choice of stripes, hoops, solid. Which, which colour do you like? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was even some debate around the colour on the kit we've got now, wasn't there? You know, it's a it's a bit. Yeah, of the a home collar's nice. The away collar's horrendous. Is it? Not, I don't not, notice yeah. these things. What foot a player kicks the ball with? I don't know. It's collars on shirt. Don't know. It's just yeah, to buy a shirt. But I like the white shirt. I like the away shirt particularly. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, the away shirt's yeah. good. Right, we've waxed lyrical about our kits way too much on this podcast. Um, back to the questions. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, not that one. Uh, Darren mentioned in his post-match interview that this team is completely different from last season's, but is close to being a very good side. What style of play do you see us going for next season in the final year of Darren's initial three-year deal? I think any style that wins, really. This is yeah. my take. I More don't... W's, please. Yeah. It's difficult to. I think when you play on different surfaces all over the place. Like, how can you... You can't really nail down a particular style because, you know, one minute you're playing on our... Darren, Darren was a, he wasn't critical of our pitch, was he? But he he said it... What was it he said in the week? 
it's not the best, best of a bad bunch. Yeah, yeah. He's, he sort of said it. It's not great. Um, but you go from that to playing on like 3G, 4G, whatever it is, to then playing on Stockport's Marsh. It's um, difficult to nail down a consistent style of play. You just have to adapt to your surroundings, I suppose. I think a lot of it depends on what players we have as well, doesn't it? We mentioned Reese Murphy as well. Sorry but, about um, Good, well spotted. The um, uh, uh, yeah, it depends on 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 who we have and how many of these young players um, we get in. Whether we get in more of them, but I think the one thing we can guarantee with Darren Sarr is we are going to have a physical, manly character feel, no, a physical <laughs> uh, style of play, aren't we? Which I think is absolutely um, what you need. We discussed. Uh, in a previous podcast about uh, disciplinary situation, but I think that is going to be something that we'll have from Darren. So what I'd like us to see play next season is have exactly what what we what we've done well in the um in the in the sort of mini run that we've had here, players that can really break forward with a bit of pace and a bit of verve. Uh, you know your Noyfields and your Knowles and um uh, and Murph obviously as well. Sign them up. And, Ruben Reed, of course, sign him. No, no, we can't sign him. <laughs> um, but uh, but you also have that that bit of steel behind it as well with players like Wilkinson, uh, yeah. Lee, and Smith, and, uh, and all of those. That's what I'd like us to see um, going into next season. I think we need a Noyfield type if we don't have a Noyfield because what he's given our team, we've not had any players do yeah. the same. So we really. had Hippolyte last season was. Uh, was a bit more hot and cold. Noisfield seems to be a bit more consistent, but Hippolyte had that little bit of, you know, produce, could create something out of nothing kind of player. And I think Noisfield is is that for us this season. Yeah. So definitely. Need. Um, okay. I, I, yeah, I agree entirely. Yep, I agree absolutely entirely. That's, that's what we need. We need Noisfields. Noisfields and Knowles is what we want. Mm. Paddy Horsington at Property Starter on Twitter. When is Wilco back? Would he get in the side? Ben? They say he's not far away, actually, is he? Um, so hopefully he's back soon. At the moment, I don't think he does. No, I don't either. I don't think he does. Do you I think it would be really harsh to drop either um, Hunt or Sass Davis. I really do. There was a couple of moments yesterday where uh, I think I said to, to, to Watsy something, I would love Luke Wilkinson's 50p head with some of those set pieces just coming through, you know, like smashing the, um, smashing the ball away. But no, I agree with you. I, I think... Hunt and Sass Davis, yeah, okay. You know, Hunt made an error against um, uh, against Sutton, wasn't it? But uh, uh, it would be harsh to drop either of uh, them on the form they're in. But you know, what a what a good thing to think. I think is it April? I'm sure I mentioned uh, the manager mentioned that um, Wilco was at, was out to April. So hopefully, you could see him maybe getting back on the bench in 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 the next few and bringing him on. And that would be that'd be something, wouldn't it, to bring a player like Luke Wilkinson on for the last. Last ten. How long has Sass Davis extended for? Because I'm sort of another looking, month. Yeah, yeah so month. I'm sort of looking at perhaps, um, you know, the loan will expire and Davis will go, and then will come Wilkinson. I wonder if there's a bit of, you know, yeah. like for like in, in that. But at the moment, I would, you know, if Wilco was fit tomorrow and available, I think I'd still have Sass Davis in because he's done nothing wrong to get dropped. I think it will be he would be the one who goes out rather than Hunt because Hunt is a contracted player. I think I think it's absolutely fine to start again. Start thinking about next season. If we go into next season with Hunt, Collins, Wilkinson, with Staunton available as a bit of a a bit of a a, a, a sit in if we need him to sit in, 
that's a good fall, that, knowing you can then dip back into the loan market and go and get whoever next season Sass Davis is in if you needed to. I think that's a fairly solid defensive four options. And then if you need 20 minutes of Charlie Lee or Albus Gendy at the back, you can and get around it. But that's a fairly solid four for me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, another one from Alex Watts. Uh, how much credit do we need to give DS for recognising we needed more youth and pace? For the first time in a long time, we have young, valuable assets under contract. Who out of Knowles, Hunt, Bradley will be the next YTFC player to go on to bigger and better things? I think we've already mentioned, haven't we, about giving him credit for um, developing young players and would agree completely that having young, valuable assets is a, is, is a great thing to do. I mean, I'll save my prediction on who I think is coming into Ben's, uh, Ben's given his and then see, see if we agree. So of, of those three... The one I think that's going to go on for big cash is Hunt. Mm. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's a six-figure fee. If somebody comes in for him tomorrow, if a League One club wants him, I want six figures for him already. On potential, if nothing else, so then you have six figures and probably some sort of sell-on fee and the rest of it. Um, I was surprised that Carlisle let him join us on a permanent deal. I thought he might be sort of somebody that actually ends up getting Carlisle a couple of quid. So whether or not they factored in things like sell-on fees and stuff, I don't know. But yeah, Hunt for me, I think a couple of years' time, if we can keep him and nurture him, he, he strikes me as, maybe it's the name, but he strikes me Huntington. a little bit Paul Huntington-esque. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If, 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 he can add, if he can add more goals, because we've started to see that now, we've started to see both of those getting involved at set pieces. If he can add some real goals, start to add bits of leadership. And we've talked about how when Dickinson's not in the side, we haven't, look quite the same, but I'd love to get to a point because we've mentioned that Dickinson is closer to the end than the start of his career. And I would love to get to a point where Hunt is the experienced one and Hunt can then look at Bradley to the right of him and start dictating how things are going to go. So that's his next step. That's his next development. And hopefully with Darren Sahl, he's able to do that. For me, Hunt is the one of those three who can go on for, for big bucks. I, I do think that Bradley and, and Knowles are the sort of players that can be really, really good at this level. And if the best should happen this year or next year and we end up back in League Two, I think they'll both be absolutely fine as football league players. So, But Hunt's the one I think that maybe a top League One club will end up taking a chance on in a couple of years' time if he continues in the way he's going. Yeah, I think when you, and looking at the spreadsheet as well, he's played every game since um, that, that, that older show game, which makes me think that his horror show at Torquay on Boxing Day was a, was a little bit of a ruse from Darren Sartle to make uh, Carlisle give him up. Think, uh, look at him, he's <laughs> terrible. And then he's, uh, he's been a Rolls Royce ever since then, exception of that, uh, that stutter against Sutton and um, maybe a slightly wobbly performance against uh, Chesterfield as well. But no, I, I, would, I would definitely pick on out of those, those three that Alex has mentioned there. Okay, one more question here. Uh, Mike Hudson again. Paddy wouldn't do that to us, would he? And uh, for those who haven't heard, um, there's lots of rumours doing around that Paddy's on his Paddy Madden on his way from Fleetwood to Stockport. It was rumoured to be a loan, but then the manager, I think it was the manager of Fleetwood, Simon Grayson, came out yesterday and said it wouldn't be a loan. Yeah, he be... said that well, Stockport I have inquired, I've inquired about Madden and that. Fleet would need to sit down with Madden and discuss it, but it probably wouldn't be a loan. So they're looking to to sign him up. That is that is throwing, that is rolling the dice, <laughs> isn't it? On getting promoted this year. Yeah, well, maybe he's they're thinking nine, about next year as well. He's got nine, ten League One goals. Yeah, he's got nine, ten League One goals. Uh, he, 
I've, what, what would he be doing in this division? Scoring. It's scoring. <laughs> yeah, it's scoring. Yeah. Genuinely, as soon as I heard it, whether or not it happens or not, I've had a small bet on Stockport to get promoted, just off the back of a rumour. That's how big, <laughs> that, genuinely, that is how big, that's how big of a signing it would be at this level. Yeah. And I mean, not they... just because he's Paddy for us, not just because he's a yogal legend and all the rest of it, but from what he's done at Scunthorpe at Fleetwood, he scored too many goals at League One level. Someone said he's the third all time goal scorer in League One. Yeah. All time. That's ridiculous. Yeah. With so, the uh, sound yeah. effect of the uh, of the till opening and all the money jingling, I think that's probably stopped Stockport for you, isn't it? They at the start of the season they chucked a load of cash at it, and then they thought, mm, no, we've got the wrong manager here, or didn't fit their culture, was it? I think you said. Yeah, that's right. Um, now they're um, now now they're doing it again, aren't they? And yeah, they've got if they, they've got the money to do it. I mean, there's there's plenty of. Um, examples in, um, in at this level of football where people have thrown money at things. I mean, Rusty and Diamonds, the one I know they got there in the end, but uh, they're to have a few years at it that I, I remember. I, I'm not sure money alone is going to do it, but as we saw when we played them up there, they're, they're not a bad side, albeit they've got a terrible pitch, which is probably a good <laughs> signing for them. Um, but yeah, Paddy would be you know, un- un- unbelievable. But can I ask a slightly controversial question just quickly to the two of you on the subject of Paddy Madden? Of course. Do you think that Paddy Madden is uh, capable of, or throughout his career has been capable of, playing in the championship? Because when I look at it, I think our the games he played for us in the championship, and yeah, fair dues, he didn't get a, the chance that he, do, he, he deserved. He didn't really do it probably because he didn't get the chance. But as Ben says there, he scored so many goals at League One level. If what what is it about him that makes championship teams not want to have a go with him? What do you think? The truth, is good the, enough? The, the, the truth is we probably won't know. Which is a shame. Because I, I think based on just his just his movement, the way he goes about his game and and the way he is so prolific, I think I think he would. The championship as we found out is a is a very different style. It's it's a big step up. The jump from League One to the Championship is big, um, but uh, yeah, he was when he was when he was in form. He could have scored. I, when he was in form, I think he could have scored goals in the Premier League. That's how good he was. Um, but when he he seems to go through streaks, doesn't he? Where he does go missing for a few games at a time and doesn't quite get going and. And if you're a championship club, whether you can make that gamble or not, maybe that's what it was that has stopped championship clubs from from taking a punt on a on a great League One goal scorer. Um, but in terms of us, we, we we never got to see it. We never got to see it enough. Yeah. We never got that run in the side did he, that ended up him then dropping down to League Two. So, do you yeah, think, we'll, do you, we'll never know. I reckon a lot of it's probably down to timing. In that, you know he. He left us to go to Scunthorpe. We were League One at the time, and they probably thought his goals would get them up, and it never quite happened. And then he goes to Fleetwood. He played, you know, we talk about him as a Yeovil Town legend, but he only played for us 29 times. And he played for Scunthorpe 167, Fleetwood 131, according to Wikipedia. You know, he played for Carlisle more than he played for us. Um, it's, It's amazing how much we, you know, we love him just because of the context of what he did for us. But I don't know, football's all about timing, isn't it? You know, he settled in at Scunthorpe, perhaps he was comfortable there, and then the move to Fleetwood was probably another opportunity to 
he saw it as an opportunity to get up to the championship and it hasn't quite worked out and you know now he's 31 Just... we love a striker don't we like Reese yeah. Murphy yeah yeah he, that. he he could do it in the uh, championship so we definitely need to sign him up <laughs> okay <laughs> I, that's all the questions unless you guys have had any I can't I mean I can't see any more we've sort of talked about we've talked about Dickinson and we talked about Charlie Lee is there any others Spoulders. Spoulders uh, asked on Facebook, where's Warby? But I think we've covered that one as well. Yeah. I, I, I do have a question, and it's a bit of a throw-it-forward question. Okay. Coach, this question's for you, actually, mate. Ruben Reed is. No, 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 not at all, not at all. My question is, on Thursday, on the Thursday's podcast coming out on Friday, are Ian and I going to be talking about Courtney Duffers? Well, I... I think we could be talking more about Michael Cheek if we're going to be talking about one of those front two. Although I did hear, because I, um, again, with my preparation being as it is uh, for, for, for this podcast, I did listen to the Bromley manager talking after their game. And he broke the first rule of the Glovers cast. What? Because listening to his interview, he had a right go at their, the referee in their game. They drew 2-2 two, two against um, Barnet and had a player sent off after 12 minutes. Um, uh, ball back, I think it was Joe Kizzy, um, gave away a penalty. Then they got a penalty, so he got awarded a penalty, and he was still having a pop at the um, uh, at the referee. But the thing that gave me hope was that um, he spoke about uh, Michael Cheek as being shattered with nothing left in the tank at the end of the game, and he spoke about Courtney Duffus, who came off relatively soon in the second half room yesterday. I thought he might have been injured. 69 minutes, uh, no, 54 minutes, I beg your pardon. Cheek came off after 69. Duffers came off after 54. And, um, yeah, the, the manager, Neil Smith, mentioned that Duffers was asking for his asthma pump, which uh, I know you guys can uh, relate to. Um, so I'm hoping that they're both knackered enough <laughs> to, uh, to not put in a performance against us. But, yeah. Cheek and Duffus, and they've got a couple coming off the bench as well. I think it's Williamson, um, might have been at Port Vale or some of them. Williamson, um, you know, so they've got some some good good forward players, but I think Cheek might be the uh, the one to watch. We'd be stupid not to um, not to watch Duffus as well because he might have a uh, a Tom Whelan on us, might he? And I will just throw this as well. We've made a few sort of alludes back to twenty thirteen. And the similarities of wins on the spin and the players involved. Byron Webster plays for Bromley as well. He does, yeah. Been captain, I think, recently. I believe you're right, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Right. Quiz time? You, it okay. feels like you guys are putting this off. Just by, oh, I've got no. another question. Oh, I've got another question. <laughs> okay. The first one here for you. So, the, the... so anyway, can, can we just go back over the rules? <laughs> yes. Can we go back over the rules? I am going to delay it. I am going to list the clubs that this player has played for. They're all Yeovil Town players, but I'm going to list the clubs that they've played for, and you've got to guess the player. And this is all their contracted clubs, who they've been contracted with, rather than loans and everything like that. Okay. Go. Okay. okay first one. Uh, first club. Perth SC, Southampton, Hull City, Perth Glory, Yeovil Town, Wickham Wanderers. Adrian Caceres. Oh, it is in for one. In for hey, one. Did he go to Aldershot after? He Wickham? went to Wickham, then Aldershot. 
And he's got loads of clubs, lots of Australian clubs. But incidentally, according to Wikipedia, on the 18th of March 2019, he was sentenced to 18 months in jail after being found guilty of dealing methamphetamine. Strafe. Hmm. Crikey, mate. <laughs> nice. Very good. Very Extra good. points for impressions, no? No, no. So 1 0 to Coatsy. Okay, player number two Ashford Town, Aylesbury United. Stainstown, Yedding, Nathan Smith, uh-uh. Windsor and Eton, Brentford, Fisher Athletic, Yeovil Town, Dagenham and Redbridge. Oh, and is it for two? Oh. <laughs> it was either him or the other one we got from Fisher. We got two from Fisher. Kieran Murphy. Three. Kieran. Three. Oh, yeah, McCall- McCollin. Do yeah. not besmirch the name of Andre McCollin around here. Yeah. McCollin. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so 2-0 to Coatsy. If you get the next one, you've won this game. Just so you know. Ben, ben thought we were, he was quite confident on Thursday about going up against you. I'm feeling the pressure. He's got a point to prove say. after saying he knows nothing. Point to prove it. Okay, here we go. Third player. Crew Alexandra. Yeovil Town. Rotherham. Port Gary Bell. Roberts. Oh, and Ben's in for one. Oh, Gary, okay. Gary Roberts. Famously on loan with us and... Set by off the field problems, I think Gary Roberts. But what a player, by the way! Amazing footballer. What yeah. a player! Yeah, such a shame he couldn't sort himself out. Plays for, Chester, what a plays for Chester at the moment, so he's in our league. No, he's not. Yeah. League below, aren't they, Chester? Yeah, one below. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Here's a here's an older one for you. Um... Oh, what? That's going to suit Dave so much more. Shannon <laughs> <laughs> <Damn> old. Ages. <laughs> this uh, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. So this is off a of soccer base. And okay. he started his career at Arsenal, but probably never played. Uh, Rushton. Enfield. Al James Hannigan. There we go. In for Coatsy. Cult hero there, Al James Hannigan. He was my favourite player when I first started going to watch Yeovil. Amen. Should we do, do you want to do the last one as well for a consolation, if you can get it, Ben? Bearing in mind it is on, 3-1 to Coatsy. Okay. Bristol City. Yeovil Town. Swansea City. Swindon Monk Town. One. Oh, 4-1. Ben. Stop the count. <laughs> he knows nothing. <laughs> Blimey. I don't think anyone thought it was going to go this way. But here we go. Coatsy's... I haven't even got... There's no point me even putting um, some, you know, tense music in the background. There's no time for it. He's going to be back, though. I can feel oh, he's going to be back. He's, he's... he's bubbling. He's seething there, I think. No noise. <laughs> no noise. Reef Move on. Sign him up. <laughs> I don't feel like I want to end the podcast this way, but this, uh, there's nothing else. I got no more. No, Come on, I you haven't got a choice. Work. You haven't got a choice. Oh, You've yeah. made your bed, Perkins. <laughs> Sleep in it. I would love to. Homework. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I, I didn't do it again. I think we need to knock the homework on the head. But Coatsy, have you done it, Ben? Have you got I did, yours? I, d- I did it because I had it ages ago when yeah, we were doing I, the rounds on social. I couldn't find mine, so I just gave up. Okay, so I've got, I'm going to go first this time just because I want to shut up and go away. <laughs> so, in goal, in goal, Azmir Begovic, a back three of Duffy, Huntington, and Kolka, a midfield four of Stolchers, Barry, Dolan, McIndoe, and then a front three, and then a front three of Danny Rodriguez, Reese Murphy, sign him up, and Alex Fisher, who apparently has won a raffle to get into this team. But, <laughs> So it works out from 2001, 2002, McIndoe, McIndoe, 
And then 2003-04 is uh, Danny Rodriguez, Stolches 04-05, Anthony Barry for the next four years, then one year of Begovic, one year of Kolka, two years of Huntington, one year of Matty Dolan, and then you've got two years of... You've got Shane Duffy, sorry. And then you go back to Matty Dolan before Fisher, Fisher, Murphy. Nice. Nice. Impressive. Well, I've got a few of those in in, in mind as well, but um, as the ages comment, uh, pointed out I've been uh, been around a bit so I've got a few <laughs> I've got a few mid to late 90s uh, when the two of you were probably in nappies or whatever you were but I've got I'm waiting for Ben to call me out on some of these I think I've got this right it's really hard isn't it I was I was looking for him and, and so many times I was I was swearing at the um at my computer screen realizing that one player had played with each other so I got Wayne Hennessy Paul Huntington as mentioned before Al James Annigan Stephen Colker, and then just because I couldn't find anyone else to play at the base of a diamond, Jimmy Smith, <laughs> after the U2 picked him up in the, in the, in the last one. So, in, in, in honour of ben, ben Barrett, Sam Foley, yes. Lewis Wing, and then I've got a front, well, probably th- three slash four. I've got Marcus Stewart sitting just behind him, but then I've got Phil Jevons, and then two that you may or may not have heard of Howard Forrington, who everyone who follows me on Twitter will know I'm slightly obsessed with, and then Giuliano <laughs> Grazioli, who had a loan spell, a Paddy Madden esque loan spell for us in the ISIS League, and I think he got like 15 goals in 12 games. Forrington got something like 25 in 21 or something ridiculous like that. So, Forrington, Jevons, Grazioli would be the ultimate finishes, possibly with uh, Reese Murphy um, of my. Time sporting Sign him up. Sign him up. Wow. Well, that was great. That's how you end the podcast. That is. I just wanted to add. So I've. I'm sure most of us have seen the Green and White Goals YouTube account that's been set up recently, which is extremely brilliant nostalgia. Um, But one thing that I, I must have forgot or didn't even realise. I never realised that Barrington Belgrave was still at the club under Gary Johnson until I saw that lovely goal that was um, put up a couple of days ago. Um, I always thought he'd gone well before. Webby, yeah. Yeah, he went to 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 Southend with David Webb. Um, He did, yeah. But yeah, didn't realise him and Alford got some game time together. What a great name as well, Barrington Belgrave. Yes, yes, he was a good. good. He was good. Right, do you want to call it, boys? It is... uh, Mothering Sunday, it. after all. I know, I've got to make the wife a, a fire-up. Ah, lovely. Oh, yeah. Well done, that man. Well, yeah, let's leave it, leave it there, boys. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, we'll talk next week. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.